You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. to my mom because uh she just got back pretty recently into the country and so she's been able to actually like watch baseball now she's like catching up on everything she's like oh my god this playoffs has been just amazing it's awesome she texted me like a couple days ago she's like who do you think is gonna do it i'm like man it looks like it's gonna be a boston atlanta world series and i'm like yeah i don't know Well, thanks for nothing. Yeah, that was a that was a solid jinx on my part, apparently. Oh, I can't hear you, friend. Oh, hello. Boop boop. Can you hear me? Hello. Uh, cause hello. I can hear, I can hear you. Hello. Let me make sure. Oh, hey. I can hear you now. Okay, cool. That's weird. All right. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, that's. I almost wonder if it was my damn, if it's my damn, uh, Wi-Fi, because I, I took off the Wi-Fi and now it's working. Hmm, I don't know, because I, I was able to still hear you, so, I don't know, but, I can hear you just fine. Alright, let's, uh, we can get started up here with episode 386 of the Foreign Affair Podcast. Maybe we'll talk some baseball a little later on. We'll see how this last game of the night goes. But uh, yeah, we're definitely going to talk some soccer here. Welcome in, everyone. I'm Edward Green, joined as always by McCollum Crime West Bradshaw. Uh, we are going to be going over uh, match week eight of the Premier League. Also hitting up a very, what I would call, interesting week of the Champions League uh, with a lot of twists and turns and some uh, interesting results abound um, that have made some some groups very, very fun. Um, but that, that'll come in time. Uh, we'll also have some news and notes, uh, some interesting stories floating around, uh, especially coming after the big uh, Newcastle purchase that uh, both Wes and I talked about last week. And then we'll have, um, you know, our, our Watch 4. We'll pimp the athletic. It'll be a great, fun time. Uh, as always, the podcast presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. I have to take a breath there as we get started here with the results from Match Week 8. 
Um, Liverpool were off to the races and were truly never troubled by Watford. Um, it, it was it ended up being okay that that they got the earliest match after the international break uh, because Watford were never up to the task really. Mm-hmm. Uh, Firmino had a hat trick. Mane and Salah added goals themselves uh, in a in a rampant Liverpool win at Vicarage Road. Uh, Wolves with the ten minute comeback down two nil against Aston Villa. They win. Three to uh, just some great late goals from Connor Cody and Ruben Davis to give them the win in stoppage time. Um, big, big win for Wolves as they're looking to make a little bit more of a statement this season. Uh, Leicester City had been sputtering recently and almost somehow lost to Spartak Moscow today in the Europa League. Um, but they came back against Manchester United twice. Uh, down 1-0 early to a peach of a goal from Mason Greenwood. Uh, Yuri Tielemans added one of his own in the 31st minute to make it 1-1. Uh, Rashford thought he'd equalized at 2-2 in the 82nd minute, but just one minute later, Jamie Vardy had his party, and Leicester added another one late in stoppage time to seal a 4-2 win over United. Uh, City, meanwhile, took care of Burnley comfortably 2-0. Uh, Southampton beat Leeds 1-0. Uh, Norwich and Brighton played to a nil-nil draw. You're just going to take our word for that. And uh, Brentford's proved they are still up to the task of taking on the Giants of the Premier League, even in the loss to Chelsea, as they fall 1-0 at home on a Ben Chilwell 45th minute. Um, uh, what, how do you how do you describe this? Oh, God, I've totally lost my train of thought here. It's uh, It was like on a one-hop. He put it in uh, um, on, on, on the fly. Sort of thing. On the volley. On the volley. Yes, thank you. God. On the volley. My, my brain just completely fell off. I think I had a stroke for a second there. Um, West Ham, uh, 74th minute winner uh, against Everton off a corner. Um, that was a big, big three points for them at Goodison. And speaking of big three points, Tottenham Hotspur weathered an early emotional start from Newcastle to get three big goals in their match. Uh, and Domble, Kane, and Son also getting on the score sheet. Score sheet. Uh, Kane and Son now have linked up, I believe it's 34 times, which is one off the Premier League record for a duo in their careers. So uh, that, uh, even with Kane looking to be on the outs from Spurs, still a partnership that is firing at Spurs. Uh, Eric Dyer did give an own goal back to Newcastle in the late moments after John Joe Shelby picked up a red card. And of course, there was also the scary moment uh, in the first half where a Newcastle fan uh, looked to have uh, respiratory problems in the stands. But thanks to the quick work of the medical staff, at St. James's Park, they were uh, taken to the hospital quickly and got in stable condition. So uh, props to Newcastle for taking care of them. And then uh, finally on Monday Night Football and NBC Sports, Arsenal 2, Palace 2, Palace and Patrick Vieira thought uh, that his homecoming would be a 2-1 win, but a scramble in the box in the 95th minute uh, led to an Alexander Lacazette putback that got Arsenal the one point they needed at most to rescue from this match. Um, but Palace played very, very well throughout it and looked to be slowly improving under Patrick Vieira, which might be, one of, along with Brentford, one of the more surprising storylines in a positive way so far this season. Um, well, that was the week that was, Wes. Um, obviously, 
Liverpool come off firing right after the international break, even with the kerfuffle, we'll call it, of, uh, of the Brazilian players and some of the other players coming back late on. Um, but they they uh, did very well. And of course, the other big story, which almost continued into the Champions League week, of course, is uh, the, the seemingly more and more tenuous hold Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has on his job at Manchester United after their 4-2 loss to Leicester this week. Uh, we'll start with that early match because, A, it was the early match, and B, it's Liverpool. Of course, I just want to start with Liverpool. So of course. Anyway. Um, yeah, I'm not a homer. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, Reds come out firing in the match that uh, in Jurgen Klopp's most hated time slot of them all. Yes. Um, the, the, basically, the noon match um, coming off the international break. Um, Liverpool came out and just absolutely smoked Watford. Uh, as you said, 5-0, a Bobby Firmino hat trick. Um, Sadio Mane's 100th Premier League goal. And oh, Bo Salah just doing what he does best, which is score a highlight-worthy potential goal-of-the-year world-class goal. Because, you know, apparently that's what Mo Salah does now. He just mm-hmm. does Leo Messi shit for fun. Um... An absolute, like, one to put on the highlight reel forever for Mo Salah. Um, when asked after the match, Mo, have you ever scored a better goal? Is it last week? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's, just, it's just fantastic. But anyway, um, Liverpool get the job done. Uh, the Claudio Ranieri um, regime at Watford doesn't exactly get off to the best of starts. That said, yeah, how much can you put on Ranieri coming in just before the international break? And immediately it's like, all right, well, first match to see what my guys got. Who do we play? Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, it's Liverpool with Mo Salah, you know, um, under the impression that he's the best player in the world. So he's just doing his damn thing now. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what we take of Watford from this match. Uh, you know, Ranieri has a good track record in the Premier League um, of you know putting quality out on the field. Mm-hmm. It just may have been a uh, maybe a hill too high to climb um, in in your first match back in charge, uh, taking over in the middle of the season. So mm-hmm. we'll it remains to be seen what we're going <laughs> to see from Watford. Uh, but the fact that basically eight matches in, you've already fired the manager and brought in a second manager. We'll see. Watford always known for patience with their managers, so I'm sure Ranieri has a lot of time to develop these players. Apparently, they're all in on him. He has a nice, long 18-month contract, (laughs) and I'm sure. Plenty of time to build what he needs to build, right? Hey, the man's won the Premier League. Hey, the man is a Premier League winning manager. That's true. Maybe, maybe, maybe that'll buy him more than seven matches in charge. So we'll see. Um, a guy who may be thinking, I have seven matches remaining in charge. Uh, that's uh, that's only Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, wow. What yeah. the hell happened to United at the end there? It's just uh, everything falling apart late on for Man United. Uh, and not only that, because you know that happens to United every now and then. But, you know, one thing is they've, 
the club, the team, the players, the manager, they, for a while now, even with the outside saying, you know, what the hell's going on here? This is terrible. Um, they have repeated the same message. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the process. It's this, it's that. Oh, we love Ollie. Oh, he's great. Oh, he's great. All of a sudden this weekend after the match, you've got Pogba saying something about the manager and you've got Bruno Fernandez saying something about the manager. I mean, you know, that's, you know, obviously Cristiano Ronaldo's there, but <laughs> those two are basically your two best players. Mm-hmm. For whatever you may think of them. Uh, they're basically your two best players. Um, and they're questioning the manager in interviews. And that's something that just, that hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you kind of mentioned it, is, is Ollie starting to play with borrowed time? We'll see going forward because their upcoming schedule is absolutely brutal. And he's under, you know, he's under some shit right now. Well, okay, what have we got coming back? Oh, shit, Liverpool. Oh, shit, after that, Brighton. Then we get November. Um, oh, wait a minute, I'm under the... I was under the wrong team, I believe. Give me a second here. Um, right, okay, they play uh, Liverpool. Then they turn around, they play Tottenham. Uh, then they turn around, they've got another Champions League match with Atalanta. Oh, wait, then we play Man City. Shit. <laughs> and, then they play, and then they play Watford. Okay. Uh, then they turn around into, in the month of November, Villarreal... And, oh, Chelsea. Shit. Um, and then, I guess if you go into December, they start December with Arsenal, who right now, you, you never know. Arsenal usually kind of hit their stride in November and December and then fall back apart in, like, March. So, mm-hmm. um, man, it is, you know, here's the thing. If he can survive that run... Oh, it might be all right because, you know, around the holiday season, it actually does lighten up for them. They play, you know, they've got Palace, they've got Norwich, Brentford, Brighton, Newcastle, and Burnley. But, man, he's got to get there first. And if we think about the last two managers that Manchester United fired, um, they both got fired on the back of getting smoked by Liverpool. Mm. And... Like we said, guess who comes to town this Sunday? <laughs> uh, so Ollie, now I don't, I don't, I don't think outside of an epic historic beatdown, like, like maybe a five nil something like that. I don't, I'm, I'm not seeing Ollie being on that much of a hot seat, but I think there is definitely, you, you know, you know, you get in your car. You know, nice new model vehicle in the morning and you, uh, you know, Oh, it's a little chilly outside. Let me hit that button. Let me hit those heated seats. Mm-hmm. And you know, those first couple minutes, they just start warming up on you. I think Ollie may be on, Oh, let's say number two on the heated seat right now. Okay. Okay. He, he's, he's right there in the middle. It's warm. It's maybe a little warm, but it's certainly not an uncomfortable <laughs> feeling yet. You know, I don't think always back in his thighs are sweating from the from the heated seat, <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, but you know he's he's definitely feeling a little warmth there, a little warmth. So um, yeah, yeah, you know we'll we'll have to 
have to see what happens, but um, United are once again, and this is the same with United. It seems like every time that Ole is on or seems like he's going to be on the hot seat, um, United seem to respond. Mm-hmm. Well, now would definitely be the time to do it with this uh, this portion of the schedule coming up, but um. Hmm. Let's see. Let's see if they can respond one more time because it's not going to be easy coming up. And if they go through this stretch of November into early December and they're getting poor results, they're going to find themselves out of the Premier League race, and they they could find themselves out of Europe. And not and to that, oh, yeah, sorry, that would be that. I'm sorry, I was just going to say that would be a disaster by Christmas time to be out of the Champions League and be hopelessly behind in the Premier League. Certainly, and, and you have to think this would be also a second straight year of that because while they did make a, a deep run in, into the Europa League last year, it's because they fell out of the Champions League. And, mm-hmm. and really, by about Christmas time, there wasn't really much hope of them winning the Premier League either anymore. And I think mm-hmm. there was a little more hope this year even going in. I mean, we talked at the beginning of the season how there was pretty much a top four, and it's these four teams that have a chance to win the title this year. And if United are out of it by Christmas, then what are, what are we even doing here? My one thing I will say, and, and you talked about it, about how United, when they get to this point, always seem to respond. I do want to jump ahead to their Champions League match just because we're talking about them. And then we'll get to the rest of the Champions League matches uh, from this week in a little bit. But United were down 2-0 at home to Atalanta at halftime. This... This could have been the actual breaking point for this team. And somehow they found it within themselves. After Solskjaer dropped Pogba to start this match, he, he Pogba did not start this match. After making the comments he did, maybe that played into it, maybe it didn't. And United found three goals in the second half to win the match. That tells me that there are at least some people on this team who have not given up on Solskjaer. How many of them are there? How much they can keep that up? Because let's let's be real, with all due respect to Atalanta, who have been a, a breath of fresh air in the Champions League and in Serie A the last couple of years, Manchester United should not be down 2-0 at the half to Atalanta at home in the Champions League. It, it, it just shouldn't happen. And yet it did. And that's where if this scoreline had held... This could have been the death knell. So for United to respond the way they did is a sign that he has not at least completely lost the locker room. That to me is like the one saving grace. But you're right. If that murderer's row, that the word we love, that crucible coming up for them. If they go, if they lose a couple more matches, if they lose Liverpool, you say five nil, probably not going to happen. 3-0 could happen the way Liverpool is playing right now. Like, that's, I think, a distinct possibility. Something like a 3-0 could happen. A couple more losses along the way. Maybe they lose to Atalanta because, you know, they're in first place right now in their group. But that's a tenuous lead right now. If they fall to Atalanta and they fall out of the Champions League, I, I think that's it. I, I think that's it. But as at least as of this moment as we're recording this at 11 17 p.m on october 20th 
it does not seem like Solskjaer has completely lost the locker room and that some number of players in that team are still willing to fight for him and for the badge. That that means something. How much time that buys him, I don't know. But but it is it is something that he has going. Right. Uh, for him today, it was better to win than to not win. Yes. Yes. <laughs> say it, say it the great philosopher, Wes Bradshaw. Absolutely. You hear that, Wesleyan football? Anyway. Um... <laughs> oh, man. I talked to Randy Randleson the other day. Oh, shit. That dude just could not stop laughing. I mean, he told me he was done. He said, I'm not doing this shit anymore. Uh, if only we could have heard that from him on broadcast anyway um let's get your premier league schedule we'll talk about more champions league here in just a second but let's get your premier league schedule for this coming week uh friday arsenal they played the monday match and they're playing the friday match 3 p.m they're at home to aston villa in which should be a very tight mid-table match on saturday 7 30 it's it's a dig but it's also true uh chelsea and norwich play at 7 30 at 10 a.m you have the choice of everton watford leeds wolves southampton burnley palace and newcastle then at 12 30 brighton and hove top five brighton and hove host manchester city at the amex that's uh it's an interesting matchup. Just to see how good Brighton really is. Uh, on Sunday at 9 a.m., you get a London Derby as West Ham hosts Tottenham, as well as Brentford hosting Leicester. That's also a very fun matchup. And then, as you said, Wes, 11.30, Man United hosting Liverpool in, in what could be a very make-or-break game for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's men and a very important matchup in the title race going forward. Mm -hmm. As we look at the table, uh, Chelsea currently lead by one point over Liverpool. Man City are just two points behind Chelsea as well. And then Brighton and Hove and Tottenham are locked in fourth place uh, on points. Uh, and they are both uh, just four points back of Chelsea. Just behind them are Manchester United, West Ham, and Everton. And then Brentford and Wolves just behind them. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone are our three teams who have yet to win a match. Burnley, Newcastle, and Norwich all uh, th at least three points adrift of safety and need to start finding some positives fast. All right. I think mean, it's okay. Every, oh. Everything everything's uh, going smoothly at Newcastle now, so that shouldn't be any problem, right? Yeah, ab absolutely. No, not like uh, we won't be getting to that news and notes. Why? What else? Yeah. Would we have not like we have any news or notes on uh, Newcastle. Right? Oh no, no, no! Why? What could there possibly be to talk about there? Um, all right, let's talk about the Champions League now. Uh, Group A: Manchester City put an absolute beatdown on Bruges, five-one. Uh, Bruges got a consolation goal late, but it just wasn't enough as City uh, bounced back from their uh, defeat at PSG almost a month ago and do win against Bruges 5-1. And PSG, with a little bit of a scare against Leipzig, Leipzig went 2-1 up in the 57th minute through Nordi Mukiele, but uh, it wasn't enough as Messi Magic struck again for PSG. His two goals in the final half hour were the difference in this match as PSG stay top of the group at seven points. Man City just behind in six. Bruges behind in four. And Leipzig, you really got a feel for them. If they could have won this match, they they might have something of a chance in this group. 
but currently now on zero points halfway through. And, uh, you know, Wes, uh, we definitely thought it would be Man City and PSG coming out of this group, but uh, both teams have looked a little vulnerable, maybe a little more so than we thought heading into the uh, this group stage. Yeah, neither have really been at their sterling best in the group stage. Um <clears throat> And honestly, to me, that's not a huge surprise. Um, Bruges and, um, and obviously Red Bull Leipzig, um, not bad teams, really, either of them. And mm-hmm. uh, Leipzig, of course, I think we expected a little more from, but what's happening is happening. Um, PSG, I, thought, I always thought the earlier part of this season was going to be a challenge for them. Mm-hmm. Just for the simple fact that you're um, putting Messi and Neymar and uh, Mbappe together, and that was always going to take some time to uh, to gel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then on top of that, you know, it's overlooked. I don't think PSG is quite the team they've been the last few years. The further back you go. Mm-hmm. Um, got their questions at the goalkeeper position over who's playing. It's just, uh, it's not a perfect situation for PSG. So the fact they haven't been at their best and that they keep, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and yet they, they keep winning. That is, uh, that's a good thing for PSG. Um, City, I, I think, my thoughts on City are: I think they realized pretty early that they're in a they're in a fight for the Premier League this year, mm-hmm. and due to that, I think they looked at that Champions League stay that Champions League group, and I think they thought, you know what, we can we're not going to play our best football, but we're still going to get out of this group. Mm-hmm. So I just I think they're kind of in maybe a little bit of a cruise control mode in the group stage right now. So I wouldn't have any real, I wouldn't have any real fear for Manchester city going forward here. Um, I think they know their biggest competitor is PSG. And I think they know that they can, I mean, let's be real. Those guys can turn it on when they want to against Bruges and against Leipzig, it seems like. So it hadn't been a cakewalk for either of them, but I don't think either of them are in any kind of real trouble. Yeah, I agree. Um, it will be very interesting because, you know, one thing, I think we may have touched on this when this group was first announced. Only one of PSG and City can win this group. One of these teams mm-hmm. is going to finish second. And with that, right. that could mean a potential matchup against maybe a Bayern Munich, maybe a Liverpool, maybe, you know, um, something like that. Uh, you know, one of those other group winners out there. And so that... That is a fight and where you might see, maybe not for, you know, City's next match against Bruges that they'll have at home in a couple weeks, but, you know, uh, that fifth matchup of this group stage where they will be at home to PSG, you, you might be, you see them circling that match and be like, all right, you know, I know, I know we need to take the Premier League seriously, but maybe either before that match or after, that's our focus. Because if we can win that, we can still win the group and winning the group is very important. So... We'll see how that transpires. Um, one team that, um, after their first match, the, the, this uh, this thing, 
had been doing pretty well and then hit another rough patch, but still came out with a 3-2 win, uh, is Liverpool, who topped Group D with a perfect nine points. But oh, how different it could be without some late magic in two of their matches. Um, Liverpool beating Atletico Madrid 3-2 in Madrid, um, thanks to a late penalty from Mo Salah to pull them ahead by a goal. Uh, Porto also beating Milan 1-0 in Portugal, uh, thanks to a 65th-minute goal from Luis Diaz. Um, which actually sees Milan now sitting in this group at zero points. Liverpool are at nine, and Atletico and Porto are both at four. Um, Wes, obviously, um, not not as easy of a match as the Watford one uh, on the weekend for Liverpool, but uh, this was a big match for them. Uh, it allowed them to take control of the group, and they came through at the end with a victory. And the thing is, it looked like for a little while it was going to be just as easy as the yeah. uh, as the uh, Watford matches. Liverpool jumped out to the 2-0 lead. Uh, but then <clears throat> Antoine Griezmann, take a bow, lad. You're not just a corpse of what you used to be, apparently. <laughs> yeah. um, it's amazing what getting out of Barcelona out, does for you. <laughs> exactly. Griezmann comes out and gets the, um, gets the Italian-style uh, hat trick. Which is uh, two goals and a red card. <laughs> um, uh, gets the two really good goals. And then, like we said, picks up the red card. And that, you would think, oh, this can put Liverpool on the front, put the rest of the game. No, Liverpool were still having to hang on in that one. Uh, and I believe the 79th minute, they got the penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mo Salah steps up, emphatically puts it in uh, for his uh, to complete his brace on the day. Um, a, few, a couple minutes later, a penalty uh, shout from um, <clears throat> from Madrid, which actually started out as uh, the official gave Madrid a penalty and then went back, looked at VAR, and ended up rescinding the penalty. Uh, and due to that, Liverpool ended up holding on 3-2 to two in the match. It, it was... Honestly, it was not a good match from Liverpool. Um, really poor defensively. Maybe a little fortunate to walk out of there with all three points. Um, was God, I mean the the penalty that was taken away. I hate to say that should have been a penalty, <laughs> um, but it, yeah, hey, it worked out for my guys. But. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, Liverpool are somewhat fortunate to walk out of the Wanda with those three points. But you know what they say, man. At the end of the day, all that matters are those three points. And mm-hmm. they said Liverpool sit atop the league with nine. And the way they're playing, the way that schedule falls coming up, Liverpool would have to pretty much epically melt down to not make it into the knockout stage at this point. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and mark down that I said that when I'm... <laughs> crying blood next month sometime and you know, <laughs> just try just begging us to get through um yeah yeah you know you know my life works um but uh for for liverpool i mean that's all you that's all you wanted man you go into madrid a place where the last time you were at madrid you basically got shit stomped mm-hmm. um a few years ago by atletico in the knockout round uh, you'll turn around and play them in a few weeks at um, at Anfield. You know, see if maybe you can exercise a demon or so there. 
And the thing is, the way this thing sets up, if Liverpool go ahead and win the next match in Anfield, they're pretty much through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that would put them on 12. If, if they win, that will put them on 12, leave Atletico at 4, and then depending on whatever Porto and Milan did. Um, but Liverpool, I believe, I'm just doing the bad math in my head right now, I believe Liverpool would be pretty much uh, guaranteed at the least to go through at that point. Um <clears throat> Yeah, just, whew, just something. Um, definitely not as uh, comfortable as that Whopper match. But uh, at the end, three points what mattered. There was a little kerfuffle after the match where Simeone uh, just took off and went toward the um, the tunnel, uh, didn't shake hands with Jurgen Klopp, which I think miffed Jurgen Klopp pretty good. Um, I think they kind of gone ahead and buried that now uh, in the media between them. But uh, Liverpool, Liverpool looking good. Like we said, Atletico will be the next team coming to uh, Anfield in the Champions League. And I, I think the emotion is going to be high for that one, considering what happened the last time Atletico came to Anfield. <laughs> yes. Um, and yes, your math is correct. Um, Liverpool, if they beat Atletico, would be guaranteed a top two slot in this group. Um, depending on what happens in the Porto Inter match. Um, that could also be a guaranteed of a first seed. Um, but if, if Porto win uh, their next match against Milan, which they did this first time 1-0, um, Liverpool, there is still a way that things could get a little dicey in the future, but they'd have to lose at home to Porto and then probably lose in Milan. So it's not likely, but... Uh, there, there would still be that chance. But if, if uh, Liverpool does take care of business against Atletico and Porto doesn't beat Milan, um, Liverpool would be locked up as the one seed. But that is still a ways away. Um, but they are they are trying to push through, and uh, it is still looking good, even even with the close calls for them. Um, I'll tell you what, if we go to Group C here, um, not that we talk usually a lot about these teams, um, sporting CP uh, with a 4-1 win over Besiktas. Besiktas still uh, pointless in the group. Sporting gets their first three points. But man, Ajax 4, Dortmund nil. Um, obviously, these are two yeah, of the... Sort of, yeah, these are two of the... Um, the, the teams that sometimes will jump up and surprise you in the in the in the Champions League. Dortmund has a lot of usually like young talent that's looking to get picked up by Premier League teams. Um, but man, uh, it looks like maybe Dortmund pipeline maybe looking a little thin this year, and Ajax just came down and beat the ever loving hell out of them in this match. They did. Um, Ajax looking just absolutely fantastic. Um, they've scored 11, given up one thus far in three group stage matches. Uh, I think big time overshadowed by Dortmund. But, um, yeah, I mean, end of the day, they're just getting it done. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, Ajax jumps to nine points uh, over Dortmund six. And uh, Ajax can pretty much book a spot in the next in the the next round if they be, do it to Dortmund again in Germany in a couple weeks' time. So that is that is one to definitely be keeping a lookout on for both teams. 
Um, speaking of dream runs, uh, Sheriff Tiraspol, uh was looking to maybe continue theirs, but ran into a roadblock in uh, in uh, Italy as they fell three one to Inter Milan. Um, uh, Sheriff uh, losing this match, unfortunately, uh, as it was Arturo Vidal with the eventual match winner in the 58th minute that made it 2-1, as uh, Devraj would add one just a few minutes later. Uh, otherwise, Madrid beat down Shakhtar 5-0, uh, and this sees uh, Sheriff and Real Madrid now atop the group jointly at six points. Sheriff still does own the head-to-head, so they are still technically first. Uh, Inter picking up, though, a big four points, um, and where there was... Wes, at one point, this dream that maybe Sheriff, after two wins, could find themselves a great place in the knockout stage. After this one, maybe a bit of a reality check, and they'll have to regroup uh, for their next matchup at home against Inter. Uh, They will. It it has been, you know, a run that's captured some imagination early, getting the wins uh, over Shakhtar. And then Real Madrid uh, enter the taking care of the business that they should take care of. Getting the win. And they're going to turn around and play them again here in the next couple weeks. And we'll see what Sheriff is made of at that point. I mean, it has been a great run for them already. And when when you look at some of the teams that have zero points in this tournament so far, you're talking teams like Red Bull Leipzig. Mm-hmm. You know, AC Milan, um, excuse me, um, when you've got giants like that who have no points and you're sitting on six right now through three matches, that's a pretty damn good run already. Yeah. So let's see if the fairy tale can continue or if, um, as the macho man Randy Savage would say, the cream is going to rise to the top. Oh, yeah. I love it. Um, of note in this group, D, uh, Shakhtar, one of three teams so far in this Champions League group stage to have yet to score a goal. Uh, one of the other two is the other Ukrainian team in this competition, Dynamo Kiev. Uh, also, without a goal, they do happen to have a point, uh, just like Shakhtar somehow. Um, but they, again, fell this time to Barcelona, and you felt like, mm, if there was ever a time... When Dynamo Kiev was going to beat Barcelona, maybe maybe it was now. Uh, but Barcelona do squeak by Dynamo 1-0 thanks to Gerard Piquet's 36th-minute goal. And uh, otherwise, Bayern Munich just keep on keeping on. They go to Benfica and they stomp 4-0. Four goals coming in the final 20 minutes in an onslaught to finish off the match. Uh, Bayern Munich right now, 12 goals in this Champions League group stage have yet to actually allow one. Um, And they look poised and ready to run away with this group. Five points up on Benfica. Um, So that is obviously a thing. Bayern West definitely trying to make themselves look like a title favorite yet again here in the Champions League. But on the other side, Barcelona with an absolutely crucial three points to just stay in contention for that second place spot and get to the knockout stage. Oh, absolutely. Um, Bayern have just been phenomenal. I mean, they've rolled over everybody right now. They're, they've got to be the favorite of the tournament thus far. Um, Barcelona. (laughs) They, they did not roll over and die, which for them is a plus. Um, (laughs) <laughs> Certainly 1-0 over Dynamo 
at home is not exactly the most um, convincing of wins, but at the end of the day, I don't think they gave a crap. They got it done, and that's what uh, that's what matters uh, for Barcelona. Uh, They're still alive. And uh, do you have um, do you have the Ansu Fati uh, story in the news and notes by any chance? I do not. Okay, uh, so. Nothing too crazy, but, um, well, he's a little crazy. Um, Barcelona were able to extend and sign Ansu Fati to a new contract today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's great. That's good. You know, a young starlet. Yeah. <clears throat> um, they gave him a $1.2 billion release clause. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Just, just $1.2 billion. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, uh, I love that's billion um, uh, pounds or euros or dollars. But the point is 1.2 billion <laughs> release clause for Ensu Fatty. So roll up that fatty oh. and oh. smoke it because, yeah, that's pretty freaking big time, dude. I, uh, I don't think I would ever declare Barcelona to be a cellaring club. But uh, knowing their financial situation, just saying, maybe, uh, maybe. PSG. I think they did that literally just to entice PSG. Yeah. You know, I guess you know they really learned their lesson when they lost. When they when they lost Neymar to PSG, they're like, never again, bitches, never again. You see, we're making these jokes, but we're going to wake up tomorrow um, on, and Twitter's going to be, uh, we're going to see a post from Newcastle <laughs> FC's Twitter feed saying, please welcome Ansu Fati. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I didn't even think about them. Yeah, that, that has Newcastle written all over it. <laughs> How could we show that there's nothing for other Premier League teams to worry about? Let's trigger a 1.2 billion pound release clause. And then the great part would be Ansu Fati would be like, hell no, I ain't going to the end of the castle. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, time said. Um, group F, we've already talked about it a little bit. Again, United coming back down 2-0 to Atlanta to win 3-2. Um, elsewhere in that group, Villarreal took care of those young boys 4-1 uh, in decently clean fashion. Uh, which means United right now are on top of this group with six points. Uh, Villarreal and Atalanta now both on four points. And Young Boys, still with that win over United in their first match, are on three points. Um, but, Wes, you know, we've already talked a lot about United, but essentially at this point, they, they beat Villarreal because of a 95th-minute goal from Ronaldo, which they had to also come back from down 1-0. Now they're coming back from down 2-0 at home to Atalanta and need a late Ronaldo goal to win this match. Um, I know we talked a lot about, and we'll actually have an article, I'm actually going to pimp an article later, that talks about the problems Ronaldo brings to United from a tactical standpoint. But it sure does seem like, at least in the Champions League, United's main point of attack is, well, hope we have a close late and Ronaldo can win it for us. Smile. Seriously. So, oh, well, just, you know, when, when all else fails, just put it on Ronaldo's head. 
<sighs> so we'll we'll see how long that talisman continues to hold up here in this this group stage of absolute juggernauts. Um, group G. Speaking of juggernauts, um, Red Bull Salzburg, the other Red Bull, they get a three-one win over Wolfsburg, and Lille and Sevilla draw nil-nil. So Salzburg has taken control of this group at seven points. Sevilla is at three, and Lille and Wolfsburg both at two. So he's a very tight group there. Uh, especially for the second spot. And then in the final group, Group H, um, Chelsea, comfortable 4-0 winners over Malmo. Uh, Malmo is the third team that has yet to score a goal this competition in the group stage. And then Juventus needing a late, late winner against Zenit from Dejan Kulusevski, um, who is Swedish. So at least we know someone Swedish in this tournament can score a goal. Um, Juventus getting a goal from him. To win 1-0 at Zenit. Uh, and that does, that is a very important goal because it puts Zenit, or sorry, Juventus on nine points, Chelsea on six, Zenit on three, and Melmo at nil. And uh Wes, you know, we talk about how tight some of these groups can be and how close they are. We talked about it with PSG and City. One of these teams has to finish first, one has to finish second. This is another one where you know I think a lot of people coming in thought, especially after Chelsea won the Champions League last year. Chelsea could be the favorites to win this group with Juventus struggling a little bit. And right now, because of their 1-0 win a little less than a month ago, Juventus is in pole position of this group. Oh, they are. And not only that, today uh, for Chelsea, it could have been a uh, could end up being a very um, uh, costly win yes. for them as they lose both uh, Lukaku and Timo Werner. Um one of those much more important. So basically, they lost. Goals. Yeah, basically, they lost Lukaku today. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but you know, already it's been a tough. It's been tough for them anyway, and now losing those guys that that's not that's definitely not going to help them in Premier League action either. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm keeping an eye on going forward, but. Uh, yeah, so Chelsea sitting in second behind Juve right now. I don't think everyone was really expecting that. No, I don't think so. And it was, though, good at least for Chelsea to come out and put up a good result today. Their first two uh, matches in the Champions League so far, they opened with a 1-0 win over Zenit at home and then again lost to Juventus 1-0 on the road. Um, So it was important that they came out and had a good showing against the weakest team in their group uh, and were able to put up a big three points. And, hey, they're going to get them again. They're going to go to Malmo in a couple weeks' time, and they can put another three points on the board and get into a good position to, you know, be able to track down Juventus. But it is uh, is, uh, going to be very interesting, and, of course, a lot's going to rely on that November 23rd matchup, just like it is for PSG and City. Uh, Chelsea-Juventus will be the day before at Stamford Bridge, and that will looks like it will determine who wins this group. Um, so that is your Champions League update for the week. Um, let's hit the news and notes, and uh, hey, let's start with English hooliganism. Yay. Um, the Athletic reporting that uh, England will play their next UEFA match behind closed doors after their Euro 2020 troubles. You like to call them the troubles. Um, I'm a little surprised that they're uh, doing this now when we knew this happened like three or four months ago. But eh, here we are. Uh, they were. Uh, they have a suspended ban for a second match. They've also the England FA has also been fined a hundred thousand euros. Um, 
And of course, there was, you know, a ton of um, people, English fans, you know, driving into the stadium and, you know, in uh, infiltrating the box seats of a lot of the players' families and just a lot of a lot of bad behavior, um, which, of course, uh, Ian Dark equated the, to, yesterday on Twitter to people booing golfers at the Ryder Cup because those are the, definitely the same thing, Ian. Um, but unfortunately, um, yeah, this is this is definitely not going to help. England uh, get a World Cup bid in the near future, which is unfortunate because I think overall England has actually done very well in hosting tournaments lately, and this was just a very big black eye, unfortunately, for them on the on the biggest stage. Wes, uh, it was, um, <clears throat> you know that man. That final was going viral all around the world. All the shit that was going on out there, mm. and I hate to say, unfortunately for England, they. They kind of deserve what they're getting here. Um, yeah, it's, it's been said before, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yeah. And you know, unfortunately for England, they're going to have to pay the price on this. But uh, hopefully this will get it through people's heads that y- you can't be doing this shit. It's completely unacceptable. Can't happen. And if it does happen, this is uh, this is the price you pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe I, I like the one the kids use nowadays. Uh, that is like the play stupid games, win stupid prizes. I, I like the one the kids mm-hmm. have now, where it's uh, th- that uh, these England fans, in fact, fucked around and did find out. Um, so that's I don't know why I like fuck around and find out. It's, it's so good. I just I really like it. But uh, yeah. So yeah, England fans fucked around and find, found out. Um, someone who didn't fuck around but did in fact fi- find out uh, that he was being uh, fired from Newcastle and instead chose to resign. Steve Bruce um, bringing a very tumultuous couple years at the helm of Newcastle to an end. Uh, not so much tumultuous because of him necessarily, but because of everything going on around him with Mike Ashley trying to sell the club and this... Saudi FIP coming in to try and take over. Just a very weird situation for him. Um, And there's been a lot of um, support, I think, from people in the media um, and and former players and coaches and pundits who've talked. There's been a lot of support for Steve Bruce um, because apparently a lot of the fans online, at least, have given him an ever-loving amount of shit for the job he did at Newcastle, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, keep them in the Premier League, I guess. That's that's really bad for Newcastle now. Um, but Chris Waugh and George Cole can have a write-up of the, the final couple of months of Steve Bruce's reign um, as he uh, he does resign after Sunday's match. Um, and it is it is unfortunate because, you know, we, we have joked, I think, Wes at times a little bit on this podcast of Steve Bruce kind of – even going back to when he was at Hull – you know, kind of being in that, you know, Sam Allardyce, um, Neil Warnock sort of, well, you know, just plug and play manager midseason kind of guy. Um, but I truly do think he like he did probably the best he could with that Newcastle club. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a situation where, I mean, hardly anyone was succeeding with that. I mean, we saw Rafa Benitez. <laughs> do all he could with that group. We've seen multiple managers do all they could with that group. Um, and when you can't, when you can't give the manager the tools to go out and have a really, 
basically high finish, even though that's what everyone wants to happen. I mean, there's only so much you can do. And mm-hmm. uh, for Steve Bruce, um, you know, I think I think for Steve Bruce, it's probably for the best with this new ownership coming in. Um, just man, just go ahead. And, and apparently, they're paying him off. They're paying <laughs> out like his entire contract. So, you know, he's getting a nice payoff on it at least. And, um, you know, uh, I'm glad for Bruce and he can just move on to the next phase of his career, whether it be uh, sticking, stick around, um, you know, stick around as a manager or if he's just ready to maybe hang it up. You know, at least he has a nice little payout on the way to him. And I do like one of one of these lines uh, that I think nicely sums up not just uh, Bruce's reign at uh, at Newcastle, but also Mike Ashley's as well. Uh, these mm. couple sentences here, arguably Bruce's greatest shortcoming was that he was not Benitez, Rafa Benitez. Uh, but for Ashley, that was Bruce's greatest strength. Uh, a source said, "Quote: Ashley doesn't want a manager whinging in the press. He wants Newcastle to run itself," um, which. You know, if that's that doesn't sum up the Mike Ashley experience in Newcastle, hard to know what does at this point. There you go. Yep. <sighs> Rough. Yep. Um, I mean, I guess we're we're on now a little earlier than maybe we thought. We're on to that next stage of Newcastle. I guess see uh, see what happens. All we can do is see what happens next. Yeah. Well, uh, what happens next is uh, the Premier, the rest of the Premier League owners. Minus one. Um, start attacking Newcastle. Um, this by Adam Crafton uh, coming out uh, early yesterday morning. Premier League clubs vote to block potential Newcastle sponsorship deals. Um, this is a very, to me, confusing process. Um, basically, um, they have passed a temporary amendment banning commercial opportunities involving pre-existing business relationships known as related party transactions. Which I guess means like the FIP that bought Newcastle from the Saudis, they can't use themselves as their own sponsor. I, I guess mm-hmm. um, Newcastle believes that the rule is anti-competitive, backed up by their own legal advice, and could be unlawful. Mm-hmm. Um, th- the, every other Premier League club voted for this emer- in an emergency meeting. Wes, can you guess which club didn't vote for it? Oh, I'd say they're uh, located in the north, mm. and they wear uh, black and white striped unis. And uh, yeah, I mean, we we know it was oh, sorry. Uh, besides Newcastle, Newcastle besides Newcastle, there was a team. There was a team that actually opposes. Huh, are they also from the north and wear sky blue? Yes, yes, they are. There's a show. Are they also <laughs> by a Middle Eastern consortium? crazy i know it's just such a weird coincidence um it just seems like there's a trend here yeah weird how that happened uh as crafter reports this included every club in the league except for manchester city they are believed to have abstained based on strong legal advice that the vote was unlawful and would see the league acting as our as a cartel Hmm. the abu dhabi owned club have been accused of benefiting from related party transactions in the past (laughs) it's like oh hmm Hmm, yes, hmm, maybe we should not uh, vote for something that we have done in the past, which I, I admit is at least a nice sign of self-reflection from Manchester City that they didn't vote for this, so good on them for that. Um, but yeah, this is, 
Oh man, this situation looks like it's going to be a fucking war between Newcastle and the rest of the Premier League teams for every little thing. And and Wes, in a time where you know we, we just got done, you know, five six months ago of dealing with the threat of the Super League, and at least now there's something that has united almost every club in the Premier League against a common enemy, and that enemy apparently is Newcastle United. The, the, the Premier League Premier League owners love nothing more than finding like one other club that they can just all join and be pissed against. <laughs> so it's we'll like, see. Like hobby. We'll see where this goes. Uh, again, it's kind of a confusing thing, but it it seems like it will certainly be challenged by Newcastle and their lawyers. So we'll 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 see where this goes. Um, one other story from the Athletic here. Um, Premier League's US TV rights auction, a $3 billion deal. Hey, they could pay for Ansu Fati with this. Over nine years <laughs> is possible. <laughs> um, so there's a lot to go into. Of course, uh, you know, with uh, NBC Sports having the rights, uh, those will be up very soon. Um, and of course, NBC Sports seems like they're absolutely going to be shuttering that network. Uh, and there's been talks of moving uh, all the linear cable matches then to from NBC Sports to the USA Network. Uh, this could also then see a bigger push to putting more and more on Peacock, which is their online streaming service. Um, you know, there's there's been talk of ESPN wanting to get the Premier League back. There's been talk of CBS, who has the Champions League now, wanting the Premier League. There's been talk of Fox wanting the Premier League, which is really weird because oh. they had the champions league and then just didn't get it again um so yeah i I saw i saw enough of i saw enough of fox so i'm good there (laughs) um so very weird things but i i will say this there is one dreaded little graph here from from the this article by the athletic and uh oh boy if you think you hate the way you have to watch premier league matches now after we were spoiled at the start of NBC Sports' reign, um, we could be in for a very rocky road ahead. Um, uh, For the first, as the article goes, for the first time in the U.S., the league is offering four different packages. The first is the status quo, all 380 Premier League matches to be split between the bidders' various platforms. So if ESPN wins it, they could put them on ESPN, The Deuce, ESPN+, ABC, what have you. The second package is new. All 380 games, but shared on a co-exclusive basis between two partners. Which, okay, whatever. The third and fourth packages are single exclusive packages of 190 games each. So half of the schedule. One package would bring the first, third, fifth, seventh, and ninth choice games in odd rounds of matches. So like match week one, match week three, and so on. And the second, fourth, sixth, and eighth, tenth, and eighth, and tenth picks in even rounds, the other package would flip the picks. So we could see a situation as fucking mind-boggling as it would be, where let's say ESPN gets 190 matches, and CBS gets another 190 matches. And then every week, I think kind of like they do a little bit with the NFL to an extent, they basically say, okay, 
This week, ESPN, you get the first draft pick. Which match do you want? And they go first. And then CBS picks one. And then ESPN. And back and forth and back and forth. And then the next week, they flip the order around. And so, yes, you would, you would I imagine, have matches on so many different channels at that point. Because if you're ESPN, you probably, you have five matches a week now. You're probably putting one on ESPN. You're probably maybe putting one on ESPN2. And then you're putting the rest on ESPN+. Plus. Maybe. Because let's not forget, Wes, when uh, when abouts does the Premier League start every year? What month? It's in August start, Andrew. Um, so in, in around like let's say late August, uh, early early September ish. Uh, what uh what uh what other thing in the U.S. starts up? Well, there's the uh, there's the there's the American version of the football. And it's the one they play in colleges, correct? And uh, if I'm uh, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't uh, doesn't ESPN usually have some sort of you know show or something they do on early Saturday mornings about this college football thing? Just oh, they do. It's uh, it's one that I quite enjoy myself called uh, College Game Day. Mm, yeah, that's the College Game Day thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, then they usually have like a twelve o'clock. Football kickoff thing oh, yeah. they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Wes Bradshaw, uh, w- w- exactly how many matches are going to be on ESPN if ESPN gets this package? Exactly. Oh, and don't forget the fact that um, starting, I believe it's here next year or the year after, uh, ESPN becomes pretty much the exclusive home of the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, that big thing. So even more, even more football and God, I mean, don't forget, I mean, you still got the NFL, you know, oh. stuff that they do. It's, I mean, it, like, you know, on a Sunday morning, are you going to be putting anything on ESPN on Sunday morning? Because that's going to be, you know, that's NFL game day and all the NFL coverage on Sunday. So, Well, and I, I will be honest, I don't, obviously I haven't watched in, in years, but from what I remember, don't, um, do Fox and CBS's, NFL pregame shows are they one hour or two? I believe, as also someone who doesn't watch them, I believe that those are they start at noon. I think. Okay. I think they start at noon, and they're an hour pregame, and the games start at one. Okay, maybe it's only ESPN then that starts at eleven because I remember one of the networks yeah. started at eleven. So there you go. Um, prime time Premier League time slots. It's half the yeah. year will be pretty much taken up by some form of football. So I, yeah. I, and, this... I and I mean that's it's not like you can argue with it over that. I mean those are, hmm? are like the highest rated things on ESPN or the football. So yeah. So yeah. yeah, this is this this has the propensity to be an absolute mess. Um, which sucks because we've talked about it on on this podcast before about how we, to an extent, we got spoiled when NBC Sports took over the Premier League rights back in, I guess, 2013, 2014. There was pretty much everything was on NBC Sports or NBC, except for like the last day of the year when they would spread it out over their entire to their networks because everybody played at the same time. And then every other match was pretty much available for free on streaming so like if it wasn't a network game you could just watch it and it was amazing 
And then they started charging for those that you found online. And then they created Peacock. And it's it's just been slowly, not, not the people. I still love you very much, Rebecca Lowe. But the, mm-hmm. the, the viewing experience has dramatically gone down since the, since the heydays of the Premier League on NBC. So I am, I, I don't know who I'd want at this point, Wes, to get the rights. I don't know if I want them to stay at NBC. I don't know if I want ESPN to get them back because we have talked in the past about if there is one good thing ESPN does, it was their soccer coverage. So mm-hmm. maybe it's good. But again, we just talked about the logistical hurdles with all their college football and pro football stuff. You know, CBS hasn't been super great with the Champions League. They haven't been bad, but they haven't been great either. So it's just, it's, th- this is this is going to, I think, dramatically shape. Just as uh, NBC getting it like eight, seven or eight years ago now, dramatically shifted, I think, in a positive way the Premier League viewing angle in the United States, this new bidding thing could dramatically shift it positively or negatively for U.S. fans. Uh, I do agree with that. Um, you know, I mean, there's pluses, minuses to everybody. Like, I would love to be able to hear Ian Dark, you know, <laughs> be doing Premier League matches, you know, just... Yeah, he when when I first started watching football pretty well, he was he was doing the matches on ESPN and it was it was great. You know, fell in love with Ian Dark. But yeah, I mean, you know, ESPN ESPN has just for good or for better or for worse, whatever you think, they have gobbled up so much content over the years mm-hmm. that I mean, it's almost like I don't know, you know, where are you going to put it next? You know, I think they they do all the Bundesliga matches, and they're all on uh, ESPN+. Plus. They got La Liga, too, now, starting this year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they got La Liga, and I mean, you... you so, La Liga, I believe they do their La Liga matches, like, on Sunday afternoons. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I mean, it's a lot of ESPN+, Plus, you know? So... Take take that for what it's worth, I guess. Yeah, I I think I I, I do wonder if we're gonna eventually run into a thing where maybe maybe networks just start saying you know maybe let's just like let's just put all of the Premier League on ESPN Plus. You pay six bucks a month, and you get to watch every Premier League game. Now none of them will be on network anymore. Maybe maybe they'll put one on 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 espn or something every once in a while but the rest is gonna be on digital i have to admit that doesn't sound terrible completely i mean, even I mean to... as, you know, really i mean as much as people are cutting cords now i mean you know i pay for my espn every month and i do it to watch football to watch i, I mostly do it to watch college football because I'm an East Carolina fan, and a lot of times that's where I find our games is on ESPN Plus because hey, we're not we're not on <laughs> network TV. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just what it's just what it is, you know. We're not on the network, so I don't have too. I don't really have a massive issue with it. Um, honestly, we're kind of moving toward that anyway with just our television in general. You know, let me pick what I want and go from there, but. uh yeah, you, with that, I mean, you just there's a chance that you lose out on really expanding your audience. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, even, even though for ESPN, you know, you've got to figure, I mean, much like, I mean, I would assume that Peacock has um, gotten a good amount of viewership over since they started because people wanted their Premier League. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll tell you, honestly, I mean, I pay for, uh, I pay for Peacock. The main reason I pay for Peacock is for um, is so I can watch Premier League matches. Yeah, yeah, I'll find something else on there to watch every now and then, but generally I watch Peacock for Premier League. So maybe ESPN sees it as a um, as a spot where you know that that would improve their uh, their digital numbers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, maybe, yeah. So I mean, we'll see, but you know, television is changing. Yes, As, I mean, we've talked about that before. We've known that um, mm-hmm. television is changing. The way television is consumed is changing. You know, why? Why would I pay? God, man, my parents are paying over a hundred bucks a month right now for Jeez. TV and internet and all that crap. And I mean, you know, they've got they've got six hundred channels and they watch six of them. Yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, between between Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, you know, ESPN, Peacock, maybe Paramount. I mean, I can get ninety eight percent of everything I want to see right there. Mm-hmm. And I'm paying for all of that combined. I'm paying under fifty bucks a month. Eh, you know, mm-hmm. makes sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, it just seems like maybe that's it's just the future. So uh, yeah. we'll see, but the, it's going to be real, real interesting to see where these Premier League rights end up going to here in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just, I really would not like to see it split, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, one interesting article, and then we'll get to uh, us Pimp the Athletic. Um, this is actually coming to us from PCGamer.com uh, a couple days ago. Uh, Rich Stanton writing with the headline, uh, FIFA says it never liked EA anyway. We'll see other publishers now. Um, um, FIFA has come out and uh, issued a statement titled FIFA set to widen gaming and esports portfolio with the quote, FIFA is bullish and optimistic about its long-term future in gaming and esports following a comprehensive and strategic assessment of the gaming and interactive entertainment market. It is clear that this needs to be a space that is occupied by more than one party controlling <coughs> all the rights, which it didn't seem like they had much of a problem with EA doing for the last 20 fucking years until EA all of a sudden decided to say out loud, hey, what if we just didn't call next year's game FIFA? You know, what if, just hypothetically say, speaking, you know, what if we didn't do that? Um, so this is... Uh, this is very interesting, Wes. I know you are someone who likes to play the FIFA. Um, mm-hmm. Would you now? Let me ask: If you were all of a sudden prompted with mm-hmm. two options, you can have either uh, EA's offering. Let's just call it because they have trademark now. EA Sports FC for whatever that's worth. If you you have this game, or you have FIFA going with another developer and making their own game, which uh, which one you going with here? Well, honestly, the biggest thing I'm looking at is who's going to have the licenses to mm-hmm. the teams and the players. And the thing is, FIFA, you know, maybe you lose some. They, 
basically what I was reading was you basically lose the ability to call it the World Cup on the game. Yes, that's about it. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Um, you know, FIFA doesn't own the licensing for Liverpool or Manchester United or Barcelona or Real Madrid or anything. The clubs and the leagues own that. Shit, you know, um, I personally would love to not have to, you know, see any of my money going to FIFA. <laughs> I would personally really like that. So, uh, and also, I'm, I like EA's product. I like EA's products in general. Uh, they're coming out with college football again in a year. So, God, I cannot. I, I, I literally find myself thinking about college football. Um on the exports <laughs> at least once a week. I'm so excited for that. Personally, man, as long as, as long as, um, as long as they keep it like it is, uh, with the licensing and the team names and the players, I'll stick right there with EA and not bad, uh, not bad an eye about it. Yeah. Maybe, uh, FIFA might be overplaying their hand here a little bit. And, uh, as we know from, mm-hmm. uh, we saw from Konami, who, uh, who did for a lot of years have a very good uh, answer to FIFA and their Pro Evolution Soccer franchise. Um, but we saw that once Konami basically said, we don't want to make video games anymore, we saw what happened to their video game franchise. It sucks. It is fucking terrible now. So uh, just be careful, FIFA, what, uh, with, uh, where, where you go next with this. But, uh, yeah, that is a fascinating story because, obviously, FIFA is one of the biggest video games on the planet uh, in terms of popularity. So this, this would be a dramatic shift in, uh, in, in the way this game is presented if, uh, if FIFA and EA do part ways here. Um, all right, that, that'll do it for that, though. Um, Wes, uh, this is the part of the show where we pimp the athletic. What you got to pimp this week? A uh, few stories for you guys this week. Starting off, uh, you know, we were me and Ed were talking about the baseball earlier. While we were talking, the Atlanta Braves have gone up three to one in their series with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh boy, the defending world champion Los Angeles Dodgers, the defending world champion of a COVID season, Los Angeles <laughs> Dodgers. Yeah, sure that asterisk is there for the Dodgers. Um, so obviously Ed and I are in on the baseball right now, and. Uh, well, I tell you what, right now as a Red Sox fan, you're just kind of going, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, every time things happen. But um, the one guy who has been bringing it this entire postseason, Kike Hernandez. Oh, boy, yes. And Steven Nesbitt dropped a story on Monday called Pranks, Bananas, and a $1 million bet to Kike Hernandez experience in 16 stories. <laughs> And he has uh, 16 mini stories, uh, making up one big story on uh, on the Boston um, playoff hero, uh, Kike Hernandez. Um, really fun, really fun story. Just hits hits me in all my little feels and all the little things I like. Um, and uh, that's definitely a good one. Unfortunately for the Red Sox, now down three to two in the series because. They, they like they like to make my heart hurt at this time of year. It's what the Red Sox do. I mean, I, I fully expect the Red Sox to come out and win Game Six. I'll just go ahead and of throw course. that out there. Fully expect the Red Sox to come out, win Game Six, and then just leave me as a freaking puddle on Saturday. We'll see what happens there. Um, so that's my first story, uh, Kike. Uh, my second one. 
a lot of good stuff. Um, on the college football scene, you know, this past summer officially it went into play that um, everybody basically has a free one-time transfer where you can transfer out immediately become eligible. Uh, within the last couple seasons, we've seen college football start at where now you can play up to four games and still take a redshirt season. So guys can, um, preserve an extra year of eligibility. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You get, you can now play in four games without burning a redshirt. Interesting. So, so what you've seen happen. So the first guy who really did this was Kelly Bryant at Clemson the year Trevor Lawrence came in. Kelly Bryant started the first four games of the season for Clemson. And by the fourth game, it became pretty clear that, you know, Trevor Lawrence was the quarterback there, was going to be the guy. So Bryant was able to actually um, uh, opt out of the rest of the season and be able to keep a year of eligibility. So we've seen guys do that, and because of that, especially at the quarterback position, folks, because here's the deal. Quarterback, there's only one. There can only be one on the field at a time unless you're playing some weird, wacky experimental formation that nobody plays. <laughs> um, and every quarterback who comes in thinks that they're the next Tom Brady, um, uh, uh, Joe Montana. I'm just digging for quarterbacks all of a sudden who are relevant. Peyton Manning. So, and nowadays, no one, it seems that no one has any patience to stick around because it's always about the guy there now and then the next big thing at quarterback. Mm -hmm. So, uh, as Nicole Auerbach, who uh, I listen to her weekly podcast, The Power Hour, and that's our A-U-E-R, she writes this week, uh, quote, everybody leaves as soon as they're not the guy. College QB depth is proving more elusive, more rewarding than ever. Um, Basically, no one thinks they should be a backup anymore. Everybody looks around. Oh, well, where can I go next? You know, um, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not immediately starting game two as a true freshman, because how dare they have a third year starter here ahead of me? Uh, Because everybody told me in high school how great I was. So now, guys, basically, if they're not starting, they're hitting that transfer portal. And quarterback depth is basically going to shit. And if you've got it and you have a reliable backup, you are like a a, you're an outlier in college football. When you look around right now, a team like Georgia, who has Stetson Bennett as their backup, uh, which means, you know, with the injuries to JT Daniels this year, Stetson Bennett has started like the last three games for Georgia for the number one team in the country and has kept that offense humming. Um, Georgia is benefiting from having an exp- a good experienced backup quarterback where you take into account Penn State, who the guy who would have been their backup quarterback transferred in the offseason is now the starting quarterback at Kentucky. And when Sean Clifford went down against Iowa, Penn State was basically screwed because their backup quarterback was horrible. Um, and, and right there, that's the the uh, the pluses and the minuses right now to the, the backup quarterback system. Um, it is a crazy, crazy new world that we're living in. Um, you know, it's a crazy world we're living in now. And... As a college football fan, it's so hard. It's becoming harder and harder to get invested in guys because now they can just up and leave. Mm-hmm. 
So that that article touches on a lot of things with the backup quarterbacks and you know just uh, one of the almost perils of the whole new transfer saga. And the last one, uh, this is kind of this is the one I'm going to point out, but there's a lot of these out there right now. Uh, Ed Orgeron. It was announced at the beginning of the week. I uh, will not return next season as the LSU head football coach. Um, he is going to coach out the rest of the season. So, of course, that starts the age-old um, update. LSU's next head football coach, candidates to watch. Um, Bruce Feldman, I'll just touch his because I like Bruce Feldman. Uh, he dropped one on Sunday um, from an SEC West rival to a national champion. Um there are a lot of guys out there who are being thrown out with that name, with that, with that position. Um, some of the ones you're immediately hearing, uh, Jimbo Fisher's a big one at Texas A&M just because the AD at LSU was the same one who hired him at A&M. He's out there. You ask Jimbo, he's got 90 million reasons to stay at Texas A&M right now. 90 million guaranteed reasons to stay at Texas A&M. <laughs> um, uh, Mel Tucker's a name that's out there. James Franklin. Uh, he threw Dabo on here. Dabo ain't one. Trust me. Uh, Billy Napier at Louisiana. Mario Cristobal. Mark Stoops. Lane Kiffin. God, Lane Kiffin would be fun at LSU. <laughs> uh, but that, like I said, that's kind of a conglomerate of everybody's putting their list out right now. Um, I don't think the North Carolina Wesleyan coach is going to be on that list, but hey, who am I? I don't know. What? I don't know. No. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Uh, I mean, personally, it's me. I'm going after B.W. Holt, but you know. <laughs> you know me. I'm, I'm loyal. I have loyalty, so. Oh, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Call Chad Smith or Jason Battle. <laughs> Has anyone, does anyone know uh, Britt Johnson's status on the job at this point? <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, app, uh, app upset Coastal tonight. So. Oh, yeah. Wrong wrong sport for Britt, but still, you know. Hmm? <clears throat> I don't give a dang. Oh, man. Um, well, I got a couple articles here. Uh, one from Adam Crafton and a collection of others. Uh, tension, suspicion, and plotting what happened after the collapse of the Super League. Uh, it's a... Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh boy, it's it's a fun read, and by fun I mean incredibly stupid. Not because the writers are bad, just because it's all incredibly stupid. Um, another article I mentioned kind of earlier from uh, this from Michael Cox: uh, Why Ronaldo is giving Solskjaer a huge tactical problem. And one of the things I find most interesting uh, is a graph, sort of early on here. Um, currently, no forward has made fewer pressures than Ronaldo in the Premier League. Um, and this takes into account all forwards with 270 plus minutes played in the Premier League in this current season. Uh, Zaha and Neil Mape out of Brighton are up top with 20. Uh, Diego Jota and Lucas Mora right behind them. A uh, bunch of players on this list. Um, and then it starts to get lower. And then you're like, even a guy like Christian Benteke, who's really low on this list, is having 9.5 pressures per match. Alan St. Maximin of Newcastle is next to last on this list at 5.2 pressures per match. Ronaldo is last at 2.7. He is he is half of what the next most person is. This is um as we would say in the analytical world not good. 
So uh, it's a fascinating insight using um, examples from their match against Leicester of uh, how United on as a whole have really struggled to integrate Ronaldo. Um, aside from the, the match winning goals, that there is a lot of tactical problems going on at United and, and showing how those are happening. And then finally, oh, uh, can you hear me now? Oh, um, um, we may have lost, we may have lost internet for a second. Uh, Wes, can you hear me now? Looks like I am starting to reconnect here. Um, I can hear you now. All right, great. We're back on. Yeah, I believe we lost internet for just a very brief second here, but we are we are back. And so for our final uh, little thing this week, um, a couple months ago, I think it was, I had spotlighted an article from The Athletic about um, how minor league players uh, had very poor housing options and the, the stress levels about that. Uh, well, Brittany Groley, uh posted an update this week. Uh, MLB to require teams to provide housing for minor league players in 2022. Um, there still looks like there's a lot of work to be done because it sounds like from some of the language it will be only for certain players instead of all players being guaranteed some form of housing. Um, but at least they're starting to move in the right direction, which as we know in America, the best way to get anything done at a minimal level is to relentlessly shame a corporation. So good job, Major League Baseball, on doing the bare minimum after you completely took over the minor leagues. Well done for you all. Just well well done all around but that is at least a good step forward and hopefully will continue to be more good steps forward um so i'll do it for pim the athletic we'll end today's podcast with the watch for wes what you watching in the week that was or the week that will be and before the pod tonight me and my fiance uh we started uh this i i just i've had so much stuff going on i didn't even realize it was happening we started the new season of um, American Horror Story. Oh. Yeah, I like, I don't know why I didn't realize it was going on, but I didn't realize it was going on. Um, it is this year called uh, The Red Tide. Ooh. And uh, Evan Peters is back. Mm-hmm. Awesome, because Evan Peters is amazing. Um and it's, uh, not to give too much away, it is a vampire-themed season um, up, happening up around uh, Cape Cod. Um, yeah, uh, basically, um, the, uh, the, the main character uh, is a, a down-on-his-luck uh, uh, writer, um, screenwriter, and he has gone up there, and he has shown a way to become... Just um, an amazing writer, and it involves uh, drinking blood. So, times, uh, we watched first two episodes. We watched first two episodes. It is um, it, it it caught us. I mean, it, it's looking good. I mean, we're we're excited to see the first few episodes. So, um, that is uh, that is our show going forward. Is uh, for a little bit here is uh, American Horror Story. Of course, we we try to watch the scary stuff in October, and here it is October twentieth, and we're finally getting to it. So. So spoopy. What a month. What a month. Um, so we finished a couple shows this week. Uh, one, uh, the wonderful Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. Um, 
I I came in with somewhat low expectations, and this show kind of hit it out of the park. Um, very, it 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 really picked up the farther along it went. Uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short, and yes, Selena Gomez did a very very good job in this show. Um, I really enjoyed it. One name producer Jackie really enjoyed it. They just wrapped up their first ten episode season um, on Hulu this week. Um, so go check it out. Uh, again, it is a series about three people who live in an apartment building in New York who are addicted to true crime podcasts who notice that there is a death in their building and they think, hey, we listen to enough true crime podcasts. Maybe if we start our own one, we can solve what happened and the hijinks that uh, that uh, arise from doing that. Uh, there's a few guest stars that appear in the show who I will not spoil for those who have not watched it yet that were kind of like, oh, you're in this show. That's pretty cool. So uh, yeah, really enjoyed uh, Only Murders in the Building. And um, since apparently this year we're on a bit of a cartoon kick, um, we also checked out very quickly, we were able to run through all the episodes a show uh, called Star versus the Forces of Evil. Um, started off really slow, ended pretty well. Uh, so not bad. I, I've talked about Gravity Falls and The Owl House. Those are two very good examples of cartoons for quote-unquote children that are still very well made and adults can enjoy as well. Star versus the Forces of Evil, not quite at that same level, but still was, still was pretty good. But what I am excited about is... Um, Coming out on Netflix soon is another show by um, that Alex Hirsch, who was in uh, Gravity Falls, is involved with, um, which I need to find the name of real quick. It's coming out in, I think, just about a week or so. Um, If I can find it real quick here. Um, And I have totally lost it. So, or have I? No. Oh, yes. Inside Job. Actually, it premieres this week. Inside Job on Netflix um, about a government organization that controls all the world's conspiracy theories. So should be fun. Should be a laugh. Can't wait for it. So that's that's my watch for for the week. Um, that'll do it for this edition of the a Foreign Affair podcast. Um, episode 386 is now in the books. Um, as always, we are presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. Uh, we're also powered by Anchor which is provided by Spotify. If you'd like to send us a voice message, uh, just click the link in the description. You can send us one, and if we like it, we'll use it on the podcast. Um, thanks to our podcast providers, including uh, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And wherever you get your podcasts, really, we're pretty much everywhere at this point. Um, so we will be back next week for another episode. We'll have more Premier League action um i want to say the league cup is maybe happening next week i don't know that for a uh, fact. Believe so. i think the 27th we've got matches on the 27th yes, yes uh yes. liverpool take on i know just for a fact liverpool take on preston yes because they decided for once not to give us a fucking premier league team <laughs> yeah i'm trying to I'm going, here. going through right now uh trying to see if there's any actual big matches that week uh, for the uh, the League Cup. Um, City plays West Ham. Le- Leicester and Brighton play, which, you know, I guess Le- Leicester, or Brighton's had a really good start of the season, so that's a thing. Um, so, yeah, there's, that's not bad. Not bad. So we'll 
go over that, I guess, a little bit next week as well. But before we get out of here, Wes, uh, anything else you want to add? Um, I have, I had some earlier. Um, oh, you know, college football is, uh, really starting to hit, hit its stride at the moment. <laughs> uh, I would tell you guys, um, you know, big game between Miami and Pitt this weekend, but yeah, never <laughs> mind. That's, that's horrible. <laughs> Miami's just beyond terrible. Uh, let's, uh, let's take a quick look at our, uh, college football schedule this week. Uh, we're down to, all right, we're two weeks left in the high school football season um i've only got one game left i'm not thrilled about it but anyway uh nc state miami um oh wait they had it wrong on there yeah it's nc state miami this weekend east carolina traveling to houston east carolina and are about three plays away from being um five and one right now oof should have beat south carolina and should have beat ucf so uh yeah um god we do not have oh Oh, I don't think there's any really top games this week. I'm trying to just see if we got any top 25 teams playing each other. Uh, the answer to that is a resounding no. Oof. Okay. Probably a good week. A good, good weekend for me to work. <laughs> um, Alabama's playing Tennessee. Uh, Ole Miss, LSU. That could at least be interesting. Oklahoma State uh, and Iowa State. That's an undefeated Oklahoma State. Staying on Iowa State, who was supposed to be really good this year and aren't. Uh, yeah. Week eight. Yeah. Week nine. Oh, brother. Week nine's going to be a good one. We got some really good games in week nine. So, uh, yeah. Oh, that's where the big, the big Ten's going to start making some moves. Right now, there are two top ten versus top ten games in the Big East in week nine. Or the Big East. Fuck, that doesn't even exist. Uh, the Big Ten <laughs> East. There we go. The Big Ten East. And then Florida plays Georgia. So, um, yeah. And then Ole Miss and Auburn. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, so I'm just, man, I'm jazzed for college football right now. It's been so much fun. Uh, just unfortunately, Miami's hot fucking garbage. Uh, East Carolina. East Carolina's at least doing much better than they have been recently. But Miami, just hot fucking garbage. Oh, and Georgia. Yeah, they're pretty damn good. Yeah, Georgia. Just it's just the question of how how could they possibly screw it up this yeah. time? Just wait. Yes, there is there is well there is there is one team this year that has consistently been good, and that's Georgia. So as you said, how will it all fall apart agonizingly <laughs> this time? Oh well, I'm sure we'll watch with bated breath to see how it happens this year. But until that happens, uh, we want to thank you all for joining us here on episode 386 of the AFA Pod from a Colin Crime West Bradshaw, who uh, you can find on the social media at. I'm at West Bradshaw 21. And I'm at Edward Green on Twitter. You can also find us on Twitter as a collective at AFA Podcast. Or sorry, at AFA Pod. Um, So until next week, everyone, we'll catch you then. Please stay safe and enjoy the football. Yes. Oh, man, I missed it. Yep. I'm back right now. Just finishing up. All right. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, 
iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.